0: The book of Acts, chapter 10, contains a significant milestone in the progression of the early church. Through a Gentile by the name of Cornelius, the Lord would reveal to Peter that he is no respecter of persons and that the gospel is available to all who will receive it. This revelatory moment is just one of many instances through the New Testament in which the Lord demonstrates his ongoing guidance of the church long after his ascension. That sacred guidance continues today. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up.
1: To me, God not being a respecter of persons means that he really just loves us all equally and individually.
2: When I hear that God is not a respecter of persons, for me, it shows me how loving our Heavenly Father is as he loves all of us and He treats us all the same.
3: God is above the like laws that man make, the judgments that man make, because God is the only one who can decide and judge over all of us.
2: To avoid unrighteous judgments, I try and have a mindset, I'm not perfect at this, but I try and have a mindset of remembering that everybody is on earth for the same reason that I am, and that they have the same missions and they have the same purpose, and they're working on things that I also have things to work on too, and they have things to work on.
3: I have
1: been learning to assume the best about people. I had an experience where I was working in an office and one of my clients was really, really late coming to a meeting and I was kind of grumbling about them and and it turns out that they were in a car accident. And I learned from that, I was like, I need to assume the best about people because I think people are trying their best um, to make good things happen.
0: Welcome everybody, my name is Ben Lomu and I am your host. Our Gospel scholar for today is Josh Matson. Josh is a scholar of the Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls and a religious educator with seminaries and institutes of religion. He and his wife, Erin, are the parents of four children and live in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Welcome, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here, Ben. And seated next to Josh is our special guest, Brother Milton Camargo. Brother Camargo is the first counselor in the Sunday School General Presidency for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He and his wife Patricia have three children and 13 grandchildren. Welcome, Brother Camargo. Thank
4: you, it's wonderful to be here.
0: And we're also joined by our studio audience. Thank you all for joining us today. And to each of you at home, we are so happy to have you joining us for today's discussion. Please follow along and share your thoughts with us on any of our social media platforms. Today, we've selected two topics to discuss that relate to passages found in Acts chapters 10 through 15. These topics and discussions support and build upon the Come Follow Me resource developed and published by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The two topics we're going to discuss are first, God is no respecter of persons, and second, the Lord directs His servants through revelation. After exploring these two topics with our panel and studio audience, we'll dive deeper with Brother Camargo and Josh Matson in the footnotes portion of the show. Okay, so Josh, as we get into this first topic, God is no respecter of persons. What sort of background can you provide to us as we jump into Acts chapters 10 through 15 And where does this topic fit in?
1: Yeah, so this is such a fun part of the book of Acts. Uh, If you'll remember, uh, Acts is written by Luke. So it's almost part two of Luke's gospel. So you start with the gospel of Luke, and then he continues the story into Acts. But the story has to continue beyond the life of Jesus because now we're taking the Savior to the rest of the world. So the Lord says to his disciples, this is my plan for you. You're gonna receive the Holy Ghost. And then you're going to give the gospel to those in Jerusalem and then in Judea and then in Samaria and then to the whole world.
0: And Brother Camargo, what are some of your thoughts as we look into these chapters, as far as the importance of this message now being proclaimed to the entire world?
4: Well, this is, um, Josh explained so well that it was a preparation, the Lord preparing the apostles to then preach the gospel to the whole world and of course we know what happened later but we still today receive from that from the original church that was organized and the gospel was preached and today's is uh, preached to the whole world so it's it's a wonderful time that we now live
0: so josh this is a monumental change a shift in, in in preaching the gospel and doing missionary work and the title of our first topic is god is no respecter of persons which actually does not appear in these chapters we're studying but it's
1: telling us the same thing. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what that phrase means and where it comes from? Yeah, so this phrase actually appears almost throughout scripture, this theme of God not respecting uh, any person. But the phrase actually comes from verse 35 in Doctrine and Covenants section one. Okay. So here, the Lord reveals through the prophet Joseph Smith, Uh, as a preface to the Doctrine and Covenants. This is when the Doctrine and Covenants Mm -hmm. is getting ready to be sent out. He says, for I am no respecter of persons. This is a message that's meant for everybody. Uh, Similarly, I think of the words of Nephi. Uh, in Second Nephi chapter 26, where the Lord says, For none of these iniquities come of the Lord, for he doeth that which is good among the children of men, and he doeth nothing save it be plain unto the children of men, and he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female, and he remembereth the heathen, and all are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile. And so that verse in 2 Nephi 26 really ties Mm -hmm. together that throughout the standard works, this truth is taught.
0: So how does that make you feel, knowing that God is no respecter of persons? Emma.
3: That phrase, God is no respecter of persons, combined with all are alike unto God, it just motivates me to love everyone more. One of my favorite quotes is, there are two kinds of people, those we love and those we don't yet understand. If all are alike unto God, that's because of Christ's atonement, which is infinite yet so individual. And so my job is to truly just love and be friends to everyone without discrimination.
0: And Emma, um, is there a specific example you can think of where you learned to love somebody once you came to understand them that you, could, that you can share with us?
3: Well, this is just a silly example um, where I understood someone because of the way they served me. There was a classmate that I just didn't get along with all the time. She just annoyed me, some of her habits. (laughs) And I uh, felt this annoyance until one day my car broke down and she jumped my battery. And that, that simple act... Made me uh, so I could see her as she was and love her like the Lord would love her.
0: And Emma, that can be a difficult thing sometimes to overcome those feelings, you know, towards somebody. How do you feel the Holy Ghost helps you to learn to love somebody that you previously did not understand?
3: The Holy Ghost, I feel like, facilitates that so well because he's a member of the Godhead. And because God views everyone like that, we can feel His love and He's ready and willing to share that love with us if, if we want it, if we're willing.
0: Brother Camargo, uh, it's a beautiful story that Emma is sharing, sharing with us. What are some of your thoughts on, on what she has to say?
4: Well, I, I just felt inspired. Thank you so much, Emma, because it's, it's, it's exactly that. When we get to know, people are good. Mm-hmm. People are good everywhere. You know, I, I, I live in some other country. I just felt this is a sacred place. People would just serve you and help you in any way they could. And I remember that I mentioned that thinking that, I was kind of proud of saying this to President Nelson in one of those small meetings we have with the First Presidency. And I said, I live there in that country and the people are wonderful. President Nelson said, they are as they are those in this country, in this country, in this country. And he named at least six, seven
0: countries. Says <laughs> <So>, yes, sir, <laughs> yeah. they are wonderful. So maybe we can get into specifically this revelation and how Peter
1: received this revelation. Yeah, so here in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter is in Joppa, which is modern day Tel Aviv. Okay. So if you've ever heard of Tel Aviv in Israel, that's Joppa. So you can get an idea of where this is at. Uh, so uh, it starts actually, chapter 10 doesn't start with Peter, mm-hmm. but starts with a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius is gonna receive a vision first. And this vision is that he is told uh, that he's going to have the opportunity to go and have Peter come and teach him. Now, why is that surprising? Well, in this time period, we have this group called god They're not Jewish, they haven't made covenants, but they recognize the Lord as God. And so that context is interesting that God is not respecting people, but giving a revelation to someone who's not part of the covenant people. So here you have Cornelius,
0: he's an outsider mm. and he's trying to fit in. Uh, Brother Camargo, what have you seen throughout your life and throughout your you know, service in the church about the importance of helping those that perhaps are on the outside, helping them feel comfortable that they can be a part of God's covenant people?
4: That, that is, I would say, so important because there's no one out. How do you, how do you say outlier? On the outside. He was yeah. the outside. For God, there's no outside. Yeah. Each one of us in any place on this earth is a child of God. And so God knew Cornelius quite well. And he knows all of those that are not still baptized today or have not uh, accepted the covenants, but they're still children of God.
0: What do we learn from Peter's experience when Peter says, I have never eaten anything uncommon or unclean? Then the Lord says, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Brother Camargo, what is the message the Lord is trying to teach Peter about the things that he has cleansed, Peter should not call common?
4: Yeah, I would apply this to today, today's world. Who can cleanse us is God, is the Savior. And if He cleansed, we cannot call common. So that means everyone that receives the gospel, repents and uh, accepts a covenant is cleaned. And we should not look back and say, yeah, but there in the past that happened with... We either believe that the Lord has the power to cleanse or not. And he does. I know that. And so everyone that gets into the waters of baptism and... And, and follow the process of faith and repentance and being baptized, it is, it is worthy to receive eternal life. If remains cleansed, endured to the end, yes. So we should not com- call common or unclean anyone because we don't know if the Lord has cleansed or not.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm fascinated with the way in which the Lord uh, taught Peter this message. And we had a, a question coming from one of our viewers, and I'd love to get some of your thoughts on it.
2: Hi, I'm Samantha
3: from Kitchener, Canada. And my question is, why did the Lord choose that specific vision to give to Peter to teach him that the Lord is no respecter of persons?
0: We kind of touched on this a little bit, but in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it's filled with teaching moments through dreams. What can you teach us specifically about this dream?
1: Yeah, well, I love Samantha's question. I love that she's from Canada. I serve my mission there, so I feel like I'm at home. So uh, <laughs> I love that. But one of the big things that's here is the dietary law in Leviticus chapter 11 was very strict. It was very strict about what you could and could not eat. The Lord may have said, Peter, look, here's this pig. Go ahead and slaughter it and, and eat it. And Peter's like, my whole life I'm not, I haven't eaten <laughs> a pig. Um, and so it was so impactful because, again, Peter's hungry. Mm-hmm. And so he's thinking about food, uh, but he's still saying, wait, this is what God's commanded me to do. And even though I'm hungry, I'm not that hungry. Right. I'm okay. still going to follow that. And so he's very familiar with these customs and, and why they would do it. A second reason that I think the Lord would teach this way is that was such a part of daily life. Okay. And so a vision that's part of daily life is sometimes more impactful. Uh, If I can for a second, I'll tell a quick conversion story of my fourth great grandfather. Uh, He was a pig farmer (laughs) uh, and he had a dream when he was getting ready to join the church. He was meeting with the missionaries and he told his wife, if God does not answer me tonight, I will not get baptized. He went to bed and he had a dream. He was sitting in his house, the door opened up and the ugliest pig he'd ever seen in his life came walking in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you go, well, why a pig? But to him, he was like, well, I deal with pigs all the time. And it came and it sat down in the back corner of his house. He woke up. He was so excited. He woke up his wife and he said, I got my answer. I'm not joining the church. And she goes, well, why is that? And he explained the dream. And he said, that pig that came into my house is Mormonism. Hmm. And so it's, it's dirty. It's bad. It's new in my house. I don't need it. And so he we went back to bed. And he had the exact same dream, similar to Didn't get the message. Didn't get the message. The exact same dream, but he waited a little bit this time. He wasn't so excited to wake his wife up. And the door opened a second time. And in walked a prized pig that he was like, I wouldn't butcher that. I'd want that to show off because Mm -hmm. it's a perfect, immaculate pig. And as he waited and he saw these two pigs sitting next to each other, he said, what is the Lord trying to tell me? And a messenger in the dream said, let me explain it to you. The pig that's kind of beat up and really ugly is the current state of religion. That it's kind of been interpreted by man, it's mangled, it's not pure. But you've been presented with the pristine pig in the Book of Mormon and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is what you have. And it's now in your life, you should be baptized. Wow. And so for my great grandfather, this was his life. He was used to seeing things through that. And it's the same with Peter it would have been very impactful to him.
0: Well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts and insights on our first topic that God is no respecter of persons. And for the audience, thank you so much as well for sharing with us. And for the viewers at home, in what ways has the Spirit guided you to follow God and be no respecter of persons? Share with us on Facebook and Instagram.
2: My process for receiving personal revelation is as I'm reading the scriptures, I have my phone next to me so I can take notes and just follow those promptings after I read my scriptures. I think it's important that we all receive personal revelation because that's the
3: only way we can know that the decisions we're making are right for us. Anytime we have a question about what we should do, we're able to pray and get answers from God about the best steps to take.
0: There was a time when I got back from my mission, I thought maybe I should
1: go to college and the college I wanted to go to, I got accepted to, but I just felt really strong that I should go to a different college. And I applied to that college and I didn't get in, but I just kept feeling really strong that I should go there,
2: so I just kept trying and it actually took me over three years to get into that college. I think God wants us to receive personal revelation for ourselves so we can grow and learn because that's part of our purpose of being here on Earth is to grow and to learn and to become more like Him. So if we're just giving all our answers ourselves from the beginning, it uh, makes us lose the opportunity to have it as a chance. Looking back a long time later now, I'm so glad that I went to that other school. I'm sure I could have had great experiences at
1: the first school, but everything that I'm doing now that brings me so much joy is affected by the people that I met at this other school, and I know that that's where I was supposed to go at that point in my life.
0: The second topic we're going to discuss today is the Lord directs His servants through revelation. Josh, we've already seen a little bit about this through Peter's experience, but can you talk to us a little bit more about how this topic fits in within some of these chapters we're talking about today?
1: Yeah, and I think maybe stepping back and getting a bigger picture is that revelation is a central component of God's covenant people. So from the beginning, God has revealed His will through his servants, through revelation. And that's both from a ecclesiastical level, but also on an individual level. And so as we're looking at the context of these visions that Cornelius has, or that Peter has, I, I think it's instructive to go back and say, well, is this okay? Uh, And a similar thing happened in the 11th chapter of Numbers. Uh, So if we go all the way back to the Old Testament, uh, Moses is leading the people, he's guiding them through the wilderness and these people start running up and go, Moses, some guy's receiving revelation. What am I supposed to do? And so the people were a little confused about somebody getting up and saying, I received revelation. And, and I love Moses' response. Uh, so this is in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. And Moses said unto him, envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Now this isn't prophets with a capital P, but this is prophets and prophetesses who receive prophecy or revelation. And so we have to be in mind of the fact that in Peter's day, in the context of the early Christian church, people were expecting and and, uh, looking for revelation both for themselves and at an ecclesiastical level.
0: Brother Camargo, how important is it for us to understand as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that the Lord reveals, He directs not only us but, his leaders, his servants, through revelation.
4: It is so important, especially today. Today, the, the, the biggest challenge is to uh, see the difference between truth and lie, or truth or something that it looks like truth and it's not. And, and uh, President Nelson mentioned that that in, the, in those days that we live, if we don't have the guiding, comforting influence of the Holy Ghost, it's going to be tough tough for us to follow and, and discover the way we should go. So that's personally. And, and when we go to the big decisions and to the, I would say, things that involve the whole world, definitely we need to have revelation that we receive from God through our, through our leaders because, because that's so key for many, uh, I would say, key things that happen in the world. So we, we have the right to receive personal revelation. But we have also the uh, possibility of listening to revelations to our leaders, our prophets and apostles for all of the church and all of the world.
0: And you're in a unique position to where you get firsthand interaction with some of these prophets and apostles, those who lead and guide and direct the church. What are some things you've learned about that revelatory process when it comes to receiving revelation on behalf of the church as a whole?
4: Well, I, I learned by listening a lot. It is so interesting in some of those meetings, some of those councils that I, I am invited as a guest. I'm mm-hmm. not a part of the council <laughs> there, but I'm a guest. And I can see that, yes, there's different opinions or different views of something. And, and I can see that little by little that kind of aligns with the will of the Lord And we normally have a witness of the Holy Ghost that, okay, this is the the will of the Lord. And so I always feel confident when I hear something from one of the 12, uh, definitely is is something special because they go through that process. Mm -hmm. By the way, we can also go in our units, in our wards. We have a ward council. It happens similarly. And I guess most of us here that served in, in a ward will know that. We start discussing and listening, and then little by little, we kind of receive revelation. That, that's what President Ballard also tells us, always tells us that, that we should uh, lead the church through councils and listening and hearing, and especially trying to align with the will of God.
0: So Josh, uh, let's go ahead and start with this idea of revelation as a whole for the church.
1: One lesson, and, and if we move forward to Acts chapter 15, um, is that there's a lot of contention uh, with these revelations. If you look, one of the things that we see in chapter 15 in the heading, it starts with great dissension arises at Antioch concerning circumcision. Now, it's not the circumcision that's the issue, it's wait, there's dissension about going from being a Gentile to a Jew to Christian or just... Because you haven't gone through that process. Because you haven't gone through the process yet. Now, Antioch is one of the places where a lot of Jews are living. It's in modern day Turkey. And so there's a lot of Jews there. And when the Christian disciples, the apostles, go there to preach, the Jews mostly reject them. Hmm. But do you know who doesn't reject them? The Gentiles. And so they're finding this audience that's listening to them. And so now when they get word that Peter's had this revelation, there's... A little bit of friction because they're like, no, Peter couldn't have received this revelation because that's not how we've always done things. It's something that's new. And so one thing that we can look at here in, in Acts chapter 15 um, is we get this um, in verse six, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. So we've got this discussion that's happening and we've got some tension and the elders and the apostles come together to discuss it. Council. counsel. Yeah, to counsel, to come together. And, and this then becomes known as the Jerusalem Council because it's gonna be so important what comes out of it. But they're counseling together over a problem. They didn't start on the same page. All of these disciples that are coming in, some were okay with it, some were like, "Eh, I don't know. And they're coming together to counsel with their own expertise and their own backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so even with revelation, the Lord allows for discussion and counseling to take place within his church. And revelation comes as we have those discussions. I've tried to uh, find what President Hinckley said
4: years ago in a general conference. No decision emanates from the deliberations of the First Presidency and the Twelve without total unanimity among all concerned. At the outset, it considering matters, there may be differences of opinion. These are to be expected. These men come from different backgrounds. He's talking about the Twelve in the First Presidency. These men come from different backgrounds. They are men who think for themselves. But before a final decision is reached, there comes a unanimity of mind and voice. That's, it's so, it's so great. It's safe for all of us.
0: So with that idea of receiving revelation, I'd love to hear from the audience on, how does it make you feel to know that God chooses His servants and directs His work
5: through revelation? Robert. I I feel a sense of profound peace that the Savior's really at the helm in spite of our shortcomings. And I feel like on a micro level that I can turn to the Lord and ask Him personally if what I'm hearing from these leaders is true or not, and that through that I can receive a, a confirmation through the same uh, power of of understanding and revelation that comes. It's, a, it's an inspiration, a witness, and a peace that comes. And through that, I, I can try to steer and guide my own life. So Robert, is there a specific example that you can share with
0: us where you have heard a revelation that has come down from a prophet, and where you had to personally receive uh, that confirmation for yourself?
5: An example on a in a, a small scale, just for me, it might not seem like a big deal, but it was when the, uh, the church came out with a cur- curriculum of "Come Follow Me." Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think much of it at first, and uh, but as I started to get into it, I realized that it was important for myself and my family, and I, I think it it came as just a confirmation that it mattered and that I really should be paying attention to it. And uh, as events turned in the world, I realized that it was a, it was a very profound revelation that was given to the church. And, and uh, it couldn't have come any other way.
0: What a great illustration that there is revelation that happens on the grand scale through those who hold keys on behalf of the church. And at the same time, as Robert just showed us, there's also that personal revelation that happens with us on an individual level. What happens when we feel like we are not receiving revelation uh, on a regular basis? Or are there things that perhaps we are doing or that we're not doing that could increase or decrease how that message is received on an individual level? It's a different language. And as we get in tune,
4: we start to understand that language. And sometimes it's not what we're asking, but many times it's just saying, I'm here. I I love you. And go on. And that's what we need for the day. And So that's my my testimony on that. It, it, It doesn't come every single day, every single time, but it comes many times.
0: Well, thank you both for what you've shared. I'd I'd like to kind of wrap up this discussion from a quote from President Nelson talking about uh, the Spirit and Revelation. He said, One of the things the Spirit has repeatedly impressed upon my mind since my new calling as president of the church is how willing the Lord is to reveal His mind and will. The privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to His children. What a wonderful message that we as members of the church Uh, can, can learn and implement into our own lives. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and experiences and for the audience as well. Thank you very much for being here with us today and for sharing also. And to the viewers at home, we still have much to cover from Acts chapters 10 through 15 in footnotes, so stay with us.
3: My favorite topic was when we talk about how Heavenly Father loves us all and we are all different, and we are all unique, and we are all children of God.
2: Today, I like learning that the meaning of God is no respecter of persons. means that God is accepting of us, and He loves all of us. I think it's just a good thing to always remember, not just for ourselves, but for everybody around us, those who are harder to get along with, or those who are harder for us to uh, personally love, and just everybody in general. It's a good thing, good reminder. The spirit that everyone brings to the discussion, like hearing other people's experiences, um, their opinions, it just fills own with the Spirit.
4: When we start discussing, and especially when I hear some of the people of the audience sharing what they what they learned, I feel the Spirit so strong. So today, Emma and Robert, they touched my heart. It was wonderful.
0: Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to expounding on these passages in acts Chapters 10 through 15 with Josh and Brother Camargo. All right, let's get started. So we've had some really, really good conversations uh, already about these chapters. There's still a lot to, to discuss. One thing that takes place that I think is pretty significant, and it comes from chapter 11, um, where in verse 26, this, this first reference to Christians. And Josh, do you mind kind of talking to us about the significance of this word Christians?
1: Yeah, so in ancient times, it wasn't uncommon uh, for a group of people to be called after who they followed. Uh, In a similar way in English, we'll add the I-A-N kind of at the end. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they're doing here, is they're saying these are those who follow Christ, which is great for the Christians. They're Mm -hmm. like, yes, we follow Jesus Christ, that's who we are. Uh, That's really hard for a Jewish audience. Because the word Christ is from the Greek Christos, which is a direct equivalent to the Hebrew word Mashiach, which is Messiah. And so for those who are outside or those who are inside a Jewish group, Mm -hmm. these groups are being called the Messiah followers but those who are Jewish don't believe that Christ is the Messiah. And so for them instead, and we learn this later in Acts chapter 24, they called them the followers after the Nazarene.
0: Brother Camargo, what thoughts do you have on this idea of taking upon us the name of Christ in an effort to, you know, to build unity, to, to identify all on a similar uh, level as Christians?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm learning a lot here yeah. with Josh. <laughs> I, I had always in my mind as well, being called Christians is, uh, yeah, we believe in Christ.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So it's, it's, it's kind of passive because belief, it could be, it's active, I understand, but it's kind of could be passive. I believe in Christ and then a follower of Christ is, is more active. You mm-hmm. have to you No, know, leave your life and follow Christ. And, and for all of us who have made this covenant to, to follow Christ, really is the next step is to act like Christ, is to become more like Christ. I guess that's the ultimate challenge you have mm-hmm. in, in our daily uh, things we do in our lives. Uh, what would Christ do? What should I do if, uh, if I'm really
0: a becoming, trying to become like Christ? And unfortunately, in the times right after Christ, we see there's a lot of challenges that, that take place. There's a lot of uh, this devotion to living a Christ-like life isn't always as easy as, you know, we would hope it would be all the time. Uh, Josh, can you talk to us a little bit about some of those things that are taking place within among the Jews
1: slash Christians. Yeah, so if we go to Acts chapter 15, uh, this is that Jerusalem council. We're gonna uh, officially ratify the vision that Peter had received that Gentiles can join the church. But I love how Peter begins his address to this council. If we look in Acts chapter 15, verse seven, he says, and when there had been much disputing. So this council comes together and they start to talk about what's going on and it's in disputing, it's disputation. Uh, But then we get this Peter rose up and said unto them men and brethren ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So there's all this disputation that's going on and Peter stands up and says wait a second we need to stop we need to stop fighting about this God gave me a revelation. And so sometimes that's what we need Mm -hmm. is we need someone called by God who stands up and says, this is the word of the Lord on this matter. And we can dispute it as much as we want. We can disagree as much as we want. We can fraction ourselves as a community as much as we want. But this is the word and the will of God. And now I'm asking you to align yourself with that will to let God prevail in this topic.
4: It's, it, can,
1: can I just say, something? It's,
4: it's so interesting when you're saying this, it rem, reminds me of, of one of uh, President Nelson's talk when he talked about those um, five things for our spiritual momentum. And he touched three of those that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. President Nelson says, with frightening speed, a testimony that is not nourished daily by the good word of God can crumble. So it's very fast. They can... Mm-hmm. So thus, the antidote to Satan's scheme is clear. We need daily experiences worshiping the Lord and studying the gospel. Then, then you mentioned about this uh, conference in Jerusalem and the conflict. Of course, that, that was a different situation. But again, our prophet today says, end conflict in your personal life. Mm-hmm. The same talk, he mentioned that. I repeat my call to end the conflicts in your life and, and requires humility, courage, and strength to forgive and to seek forgiveness. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's not related exactly that, but it's related to our daily lives. Mm-hmm. We have to end conflicts in our families, we have to end conflicts in our work, in the, in the world, in fact.
1: And with that, what, what is ultimately what can heal this conflict? I, I love in, in Acts 15 verse nine, Peter goes on to say, and put no difference between us and them. Those of us who used to be Jewish and those who used to be Gentiles, there is now no more difference between us. When you go to church, don't sit on this side or this side of the aisle based on where you were from. There's no difference among us, why? Because purifying their hearts by faith. Your heart should be purified in this topic based on your faith. And I love that you brought in President Nelson's words that that we build our faith through daily uh, experiences with the word. And uh, I tell my students all the time, my students get really tired of it. But one of my themes is it is vital for you to have a spiritual experience every day. And I just think that we can go through the motions all we want, but we have to have it actually enter into our hearts to make a difference.
0: So within these chapters, we see, I noticed this pattern that things don't always go extremely well when you choose to follow Christ. For example, in chapter 12, we have the martyrdom of James. We have Peter cast into prison, chapter 14, you have Paul is, is stoned. And so, what are some of your thoughts on how, as we invite others to come into Christ, there are going to be hardships that come our way?
4: I, I, if I can start, I would say, the alternative of not following Christ is always worse. Okay. So, Because tribulations, we all have. Mm-hmm. Followers, not followers, we're all, all mm-hmm. gonna have tribulations. And the example that comes to, to me is the example of Joseph Smith in the Liberty Jail. Because, you know, he's trying to do his best and we know the story, he's there in the jail months. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, please God, when are you going to help us here now? <laughs> and, and the answer is also something that always uh, sticks to my mind. Two verses in, in Doctrine and Covenants 122 verse eight The Lord is saying, the son of man hath descended below below them all. Art thou greater than he? Of course not. We we can never be even close to the sacrifice he he went through for us. For things that we did and he didn't do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, yeah. However, I I, I find so much hope in verse 9, which is for the followers of Christ. Therefore, hold on on thy way and the priesthood shall remain with thee. For their bounds, the bounds of the adversary, are set. They cannot pass. Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. Therefore, fear not what men can do, for God shall be with you forever and ever. And so there's hope. There's a limit. Even, even if we, we go through hard tribulations, nobody asks for tribulations, but we learn with, with tribulations. There's a limit. And the Lord is not going to let the adversary pass that limit mm-hmm. and he is with us forever and ever. So I guess that's lots of hope in being a follower of Christ.
1: And, and my answer is much less scriptural. Uh, leave it to the scholar to, to get personal, right? But my wife and I, when we were married, we received a little plaque that said, love is what you go through together. Uh, and I didn't understand that when we got married. Um, And then one of our traditions is every year at our anniversary dinner, we say, name your top, whatever anniversary it is, memories from our time together. So uh, as time goes on, I have to keep a list because I can't just pull it off the top of my head. But inevitably every year, one of the things that comes to my wife and I's mind was uh, a two day period where both of us got very sick. And we look back on that experience And we often smile and say, that's one of our favorite memories. It's what we went through together. And one of the things that we see in these chapters is we're seeing the apostles on their own, going through experiences, but having to turn to that grace in Jesus Christ that we were just talking about. We have to rely on that, that grace, His enabling power. And how amazing is it how much more we love the Savior after those hardships? after we've gone through a Liberty jail, don't we come out on the other end with a greater appreciation and a greater love for our Savior? Definitely. Uh, And so I think many of the the apostles here would say the same thing. Uh, We know Paul does, because when we go to Philippians, he's gonna say, all of these things that I've experienced, I count as nothing compared to what Christ has in store for me. So bring it on world, Mm -hmm. bring it on. Let's go through some of these things because I know in the end, I'm ultimately going to be blessed by the Savior.
0: So what drives them? What, what is driving them amidst a lot of these, these hardships and trials, what is driving these, these apostles, these, these Christians to go out and decide, I'm going to continue to share the gospel and bring others, even though there are hard times uh, that, uh, that are associated with my discipleship to Jesus
1: Christ? Well, I'll give you a hope uh, that's here. Uh, Let's look at Acts chapter 12, verse 24. So all these bad things are happening and verse 24 says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. We know that the church and kingdom of God will continue to move forward. And that gives me hope. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's hard, but guess what? Things are gonna continue to grow.
4: I would say it is is your faith in that promise. It is your faith. In fact, what, what is the difference? What makes us move on? because of the faith and hope uh, that comes from a certain and sure testimony. It's not just because, yeah, my parents taught me that and I believe them. Um, No, it has to be something individual, certain, sure testimony and and, and that we have to feed every day. But that's our faith and the faith you mentioned that in the promises and the evidence. This is an evidence, no? Yeah, the gospel. And the word of God grew, multiplying, and said, "Yeah,
0: look at that today." Yeah. I love a verse from chapter twelve, as you were talking about, you know, Peter getting thrown to prison. Verse five: uh, Peter therefore was kept in prison. You know, talking about, you know, being unified in the faith. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You know, and we hear often, you know, from uh, our our leaders, you know, from the prophet just how much the, the prayers of the members mean to them and, and how needed they are. And I love how we can see this firsthand, how they rally through prayer, this unifier, the great unifier of prayer to support uh, and lift up Peter in, in, in this trial that he's going through.
4: Can I make a quick comment on this? Because it's, you mentioned that verse, and prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Sometimes we believe that what we understand, oh, so the, the church was praying for him. I never forget this talk from Sister Aburto. We are the church, she said. <laughs> we are, the members are the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints, with Christ in the head and, and the prophet as, as his mouth, mouthpiece. But we are the church. So the members were praying for him. And, and we sometimes don't, don't see the importance of us praying one for the other and and helping. And in this case, he had an angel that went there and kind of, it was something amazing. The angel took him out of the prison. Yeah, but in the church, sometimes we are the angels Mm -hmm. taking people out of the prison. Sometimes we are the recipients of an angel
0: helping us or praying for us or really helping in something that we need. Brother Kamara, you served in a lot of different capacities within the church. What is the most effective way you feel of, of sharing this message uh, to others around the world?
4: Yeah, the, the most effective is that first we, we, we have to love those that we're, we're interacting with, mm. teaching or living with. And, and when you see there and see Paul's journey, all of those journeys, we, we cover one in this chapters here and say, yeah, so he went there, preached the gospel, baptized lots of people. Yeah, but then he went back. He went back. So why did he go back? Because he loved them. Mm-hmm. He became friends of those people. And he went back again. And then he kept writing
0: letters. <laughs> writing
4: letters. And, and so to, it is the same today. If, if we really want to uh, preach the gospel and help the others to know, we have to love them. And we can write le- letters today. I don't know if people write letters. <laughs> but they text. Yeah. <laughs> and they have WhatsApp groups. And they have Facebooks and all of that. Anyway, but we, we have to love those. And then we become friends of them. And then we share what we, what we live. Sometimes we don't even have to say because they see, you know, I see something different in your family here. What is it? And then you share and then invite them to come to, to the church.
1: What I love about what you're saying, Brother Camargo, is the fact that all of these things that are being done are for individuals. Uh, the church is made up of individuals, but it's also functioned to help individuals and a theme that I just noticed as we were sitting here coming through these chapters is a constant refrain of repentance and forgiveness that those who are Gentiles can repent and be forgiven and you can repent and be forgiven and, and, and this verse was something that was just really uh, that, that stuck out to me is in in Acts chapter 13 so this is while Paul is out preaching on this this mission and and teaching others, uh, but verse uh, verse 38, "'Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man,' meaning Jesus Christ, "'is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, "'and by him all that believe are justified from all things, "'from which ye could not be justified,' by the law of Moses." And you could even add there, or by your traditions, mm-hmm. or by your other religions, and other uh, uh, your other practices. And isn't that ultimately what the purpose of the church is? Is we have keys that are restored to earth for priesthood ordinances that allow us to be exalted and justified through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So the vehicle, the church is the vehicle, but it's for individuals and made up of individuals. The church can't perform ordinances. Individuals have to perform those ordinances. And it all comes back so that you and I can be forgiven of sin. How uh, how much more joyful can you be than to be forgiven and have your burdens made light? And that's this constant, preach nothing but repentance, we read in the Doctrine and Covenants. Why? Because when you repent and you come to Jesus Christ, you find joy. We have the gospel, we have the hope, we have the, uh, the grace of Christ in our
4: lives. And we have many fun times also in our lives. It's not that it's tribulation every moment. Mm-hmm. No, it is, it is great to be a member of the church. It's great to go to the chapel and listen to the testimonies of the others and say, wow, that, that was inspiring. Mm-hmm. It is great to go to, I don't know, FSY with the youth and and see how they're transformed and have fun in and, and, and the strength of their testimonies. So it is a joy to be a member of the church. And and in, in to be a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. Uh, but I guess sometimes we have to lift up our heads mm-hmm. and say, yeah, life is not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we have trials, yeah, part of life, but it's wonderful to be a member of the church and to be a follower of Christ.
0: And as families, how can we use the resources that are available to help facilitate that sort of environment within the walls of our own home?
4: Oh, you're setting me up here. A little <laughs> bit. A little. <laughs> Now, this Come, Follow Me is a blessing. Mm -hmm. It is a blessing uh, as a resource for us to to go through the chapters and discuss some some of those questions. I can tell you that I know the curriculum writers. They are celestial people who wrote that, and it was reviewed by many people. But I say some of those questions are inspiring. And so as you just talk about some of those questions with your children, they they will find answers or they will have other questions that are more important for them. And they will be led to, to ask that of God in their prayers and, and have that. So come follow me is, is a blessing. I would just add one thing in that. And that is based, based on my experience with the uh, presidency of the Sunday School. We started doing this in our study. Before we start studying, we offer a prayer and say, What is it that Heavenly Father and the Savior wants me to learn from the Holy Ghost as I study those chapters today. It makes a difference. After all of this reading, what is it that the Holy Ghost wants to teach me that is going to change my life
1: or the lives of my children? And and speaking of Revelation, I, I think back to Cornelius and the events that we started with in Acts chapter 10. What good is a revelation to Cornelius if he's not willing to act? Mm -hmm. So what good is to receive a revelation just for cognitive knowledge? In Hebrew, there's a great word for knowledge, uh, yada. But it's not knowledge of the mind. It's experiential knowledge. It's I know something because I experienced it. And I think that's part of what's going on here throughout the Revelation discussion and and the church is, it's not enough just to know it in your head. You have to know it from an experience in your heart. And Cornelius acts and is baptized and and moves forward. Peter acts and moves forward. And those same things, I love that that you emphasize that. And I love how Come Follow Me does help with that, Mm -hmm. of saying, here's an opportunity to learn something, but, you really need to go and do and experience it for yourself so you can testify.
0: Okay, so on that note, we're gonna end this discussion, which has been wonderful, by the way, by one final question for both of you. We'll start with you, Josh. So talking about taking that experience from your head to your heart, we're gonna go back to the first topic that we, we touched on today, that God is no respecter of persons. On a personal level, how have you come to know that, that God is no respecter of persons when it comes to
1: you, Josh Matson? Um, I love this question, Ben, because one of the things that I've learned is that God does care. Uh, it can be very easy in the world that we live in, in instant gratification, to sometimes ask the question in pleading, "Does God even care about me, little old Josh Matson, who uh, you know does this weird stuff with scriptures? <laughs> does God even care? Does God care?" that my son has a fever and I want him to be healed so that he can do something because guess what? Tomorrow my wife and I have a date. And yeah, it's not that big of a deal, but does God care enough to answer my prayer and my blessing on that child for something that I care a lot about? And it's those experiences when I've gone to God and it doesn't always come immediately. And sometimes the answer doesn't come like Joseph in Liberty Jail. But when those answers come, I know that God says, yeah, I know you, Joshua Matson. I know what your needs, I know what you need. I know what you desire and guess what? I wanna give it to you. I want you to have pure joy. And so it's those little moments when prayers are answered and when I have the eyes to see and ears to hear and see God intervening in my life. And that's why it's so important to have those spiritual experiences every day and to write those down and remember them. That's how I know that God is not a respecter of persons and that He he does know me. Thank you, Josh. Brother Camargo.
4: I I could not repeat what he said (laughs) better. So I would just say, in addition to that, the experience I have and we all have the opportunity to have every week is during sacrament time. Sacrament time is short, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially if it's a small ward, a small chapel, not not many members. But I take advantage of that small time and I try to connect with the Heavenly Father uh, while they're passing bread and water. And almost every single uh, sacrament meeting, I have that feeling coming, speaking to me yeah, okay, you can do better, but you're good to go. And then I say, okay, the Lord is listening to me. He hears me. He loves me. And I'll do better next week. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's, it's a sacred time. It's like when I renew the covenants, but I can also hear His voice kind of reaffirming, yeah, you're important. You're loved. And, uh, and, and I know my eyes are upon you. So...
0: Well, thank you both for sharing with us your thoughts, your insights, and your spirit as we've discussed today. It's been a wonderful conversation and I just want to really thank you both for, for being here and accepting the invitation to, to come in and share with those that are watching. And thank you for joining us at home for this discussion from Acts chapters 10 through 15. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions you've received. For additional study and teaching resources, visit byutv.org Slash come follow up. In next week's episode, we'll explore how we can preach the gospel in all circumstances as we study Acts chapters 16 through 21. Thank you for watching.
2: Come follow up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.